87%, yeah, that's the percentage of all real estate agents that get in the business today that'll be gone in two years. Let me tell you something, why is there so much turnover in real estate? Because it isn't easy. And because most people don't know exactly what they need to do to get to the next level. Now look, regardless of whether you're brand new to the industry or, you've, or you're a team leader, you've got 40 people on your team and you just wanna to get to the next level. If you're doing 10 transactions a year, you wanna to get to 25. You're doing 500 transactions a year, you wanna to get to 1,000. You're at 1,000, you wanna to get to 10,000. Let me tell you something, you need the right coach. Why? Because Club Wealth is the only coaching company on the planet that will literally guarantee that you will double your income or make at least an extra $100,000 your first year coaching with us, or we will give you 100% of your investment back. This is for people of all levels. Click the link below, sign up for the appropriate tier level, and let's get you a strategy session today. And I promise you, I 100% guarantee you, promise you, that you will walk away with a heart full of gratitude for the time that we took for you because you got so much value out of that call. Schedule your strategy session today. I promise you'll be glad you did. Sign up for a strategy session at clubwealth.com slash strategy session. You want to close 75 transactions a year and more? Let me tell you something. You need to hear what we're talking about next. This is Michael Hellickson with Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. I've got Scott Love. He's one of our coaches with us. And Scott is an agent in coastal South Carolina who is consistently closing over 75 transactions a year. Well, why is that important to you? That's important to you because, we, as you've heard me say before, what one man can do, another can do. And if Scott can do it, and don't get me wrong, Scott's a great guy. He's a hardworking guy. He's focused. He's disciplined. Uh, but let me tell you, if Scott can do it, you can do it. And all you've got to do is duplicate what he does. So he's going to share with us today the systems and the technologies that he's using to consistently close 75 transactions a year or more. So first of all, Scott, welcome to Club Wealth TV, brother. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. This is uh, this is amazing. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm stoked about it. And so, first of all, let's let's back up. How long have you been in real estate altogether? Um, four and a half years, just going into our fifth year. So not bad, right? So 75 plus transactions at, and, and just in your fourth year, almost fifth year in selling real estate. That's awesome. Uh, and so what I want to know is like the systems and technology that you're talking about, what what is really required? What what does it really take for someone? Let's say I'm brand new in the business today. What does it take for me to get to 75 transactions a year? Uh, boatload of work, strong discipline, okay. a lot of calls. Um, okay. But when it comes to uh, the software and the tech, I mean, there's no question that uh, we run into agents all the time that are starting their business that uh, don't seem to believe in or, or have access to a CRM. And it's, it's honestly, with sales background for decades, I can't imagine working a database of any size without some sort of management system in place and, and a decent CRM. There's a bunch of them that work in real estate. Uh, and so that's the key to uh, any successful business in our world, I'd have to think. Wouldn't you agree? Well, particularly in sales, uh, but yes, any business, I 100% agree. And it's funny you mention that because I, I ha you know, you know, I'm on the road all the time and, and I hear from agents all across the country. And you know, I do hear from a lot of agents all the time. You know, like I would say, better than 15 to 20% of the rooms that I'm in don't even have a CRM. Um, and that's that's a lot. That's a lot of people. In fact, it was an interesting statistic. I was talking to the owner of uh, Lofty CRM, formerly known as Chime, uh, you know, the CRM formerly known as Chime. I think that would have been a cool name for him. But, uh, but anyway, I was talking to Joe, the, owner, the guy that owns that, and he was telling me, he says, he asked me, he says, Michael, how many, how many real estate agents do you think actually log into their CRM on a daily basis, Monday through Friday? Do you, do you know what he told me? What, what I, do you guess, Scott? What do you think? 
Uh, are we looking for a percentage? Yeah, percentage. What percentage of agents do you think log into their CRM at least once a day, five days a week? At least, I mean, I'd be appalled if it wasn't 85%, but my guess is, is because you're asking me the question, it's significantly lower. It is incredibly significantly lower. It is less than 1%. No chance. That number blew me away. I couldn't believe it. He says, Michael, out of all of our users, he says literally less than 1% log in five days a week. And they're huge. They're ma- Lofty is massive. They're a huge CRM company. And so if people aren't utilizing their CRM, how do they expect it to work for them? And what's funny to me is, what are you using instead? Like, are they using spreadsheets? I mean, like, how are they keeping track of people? How do they know who to call? How do they know, you know, what their last conversation was? I mean, this is this is asinine to me that people wouldn't have a CRM. I mean, that's like the starting point. Uh, now, what what CRM are you using? Uh, we're using Follow Boss. Okay. And Follow Boss is a good, you know, uh, I've, Follow Boss is a decent CRM. My personal favorite is Lofty. My number two is Sierra. Um, but I think Follow Boss would definitely have to be, you know, somewhere in the third or fourth uh, ranking there for me. Um, but that being said, you know, those of you that already have it now, I'm not suggesting you change. I think that, uh, you know, you should stick with what you got because a CRM change, it's like a steel wool enema. Just doesn't feel good. It sucks. It's hardcore. So you don't want to do that. So, all right. So talk to us about how it's set up. What's important to you about, you know, the setup of the CRM? So clearly having a CRM is important, but what about how you, how you, how do you function within it? How do you set it up? It's, it's the key. And so the setup uh, for the team and I is really in its ability. And I only know follow boss. And so I'm assuming Sierra and Chime and many of the others do the same things. But from the aspect of how we use it, uh, the term is called smart lists, right? So one of the issues that we had in the very beginning, and certainly uh, we talked to a lot of new agents about, is you've got this database, and even if I have a place to put it, right, God forbid Excel, um, I don't know what to do with these hundreds, dozens, or hundreds, or thousands of names. Like, who do I call when I come in? Do I call them alphabetically? Do I, who did I talk to last? And so, you know, these these tools, these smart lists and follow-up boss are set up and designed to basically walk you through a path. So when an agent comes in in the morning, ours are numbered very simply, basically one through 10, right? So you go to smart list number one and you call the people that are in there and it's a smart list for a reason. But ours are new, not contacted leads. So if a new lead came in last night, it's in smart list number one. Once you've called it, it leaves smart list number one. Super simple. So after that, you go to smart list two and three and it leads you through the process of communicating with your new leads and following up with leads that you haven't spoken to yet. Once you've qualified a lead, uh, they become a prospect in our world and they become in some form of stage, hot, warm, or cold. Uh, and then there's smart lists that determine how, how often you should be in touch with your hots, your A's, your warms, your B's, your C's, colds. Uh, and if you just follow that system, at the very least, I have to figure you're in the top 10% of agents just in calling and nurturing the people in your database. A hundred percent agree. You know, it's it's not complicated to, once the stuff is set up. Setting it up can be hard in the beginning. Um, you know, and by the way, I'd love to know what CRM are you guys using? I know we've got a bunch of people watching on Facebook here. And um, by the way, Serena and Celine, hello to both of you. Celine is saying she loves Follow Up Boss, uh, and uh, probably almost as much as I love uh, uh, Lofty. I, I was going to call it Chime. Like, yeah, I got to get used to that name change. Uh, but uh, Adam looks like he's using Follow Boss as well. So the smart lists are huge. And guys, here's the thing. 
again, it's hard to set this stuff up in the beginning, but once you've got it set up, you can make your CRM, you can make those automations in your CRM, create a much more efficient day for you. Uh, and that efficiency is key. You know, it's funny, uh, for a long time, you know, people would ask me what I what I did. And I said, well, I'm an, an efficiency expert <laughs> because that's really how I viewed myself. My role was to be as efficient with my time as possible. And my CRM helped me to do that. And more specifically, those automations inside that CRM help me out. For example, when you, uh, you, you know, when you make that call, that person moves from that new lead stage automatically into the follow-up stage, and you don't have to physically move it. Uh, and so you can go in each day, and you can determine, okay, well, based on you know this this hour, I'm going to call these types of leads, and and you can kind of rank which ones are going to give you the best results first, and you make sure you're nurturing all your long-term nurtures, uh, and it's all very very organized and very simple, and especially for people like me with ADD and Scott, I don't know about you, but when you've got somebody with ADD, it's hard to get organized. Sometime, if you do, you, do you suffer for? I say suffer. Are do you have the ADD advantage as well? I, I don't know that I do actually. So I, I tend to be very analytical and process driven. Yeah. Um, so so those people I struggle to work with a little bit because all that stuff kind of comes natural to me. But I definitely have people uh, that are very close to me on my team that are probably watching this uh, live right now. They um, are. I feel the pain. It's funny you mentioned that because you got we, we've got Adam Rodriguez watching, Kimberly McCarthy's watching, Serena Gatowski's watching. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Serena, uh, Kimberly was saying, you know, as, as a member of your team, that the foundation is the or excuse me, that the CRM is the foundation. I want to I want to go a little bit deeper on that, because. If it didn't happen in the CRM, it didn't happen. Right. And and I, I we're really hardcore about this because if you were ever to sell your business, your database is what you're selling. And to the extent that it's organized, that it's accurate, that it has uh detailed notes, you know, to the the better your your data inside your CRM is, the more valuable that database is. Uh, and so literally everything that happens, every phone call, every text message, every email, every single thing that happens needs to be recorded in that CRM. That being said, the the challenge that I think people have, and I'm going to throw this to you because, you know, as somebody who's probably a little higher C than I am on that disc profile, uh, you know, I'm a very high D. I'm just like, get it freaking done. Move on to the next thing. Let's go. You know, you're probably more, a little bit more, you know, okay, well, I want to make sure this is just right. I want to make sure that, you know, we're not dropping any balls, checking all the boxes. So how do you balance? I, yeah, I love it. Maria's like, your wife is actually watching right now too. Hi, Maria. Uh, and Maria's like, I'm ADD. He's OCD. I totally get it. I'm married to one of those, Maria. I totally understand what you're saying. So how do you balance that? How do you prevent what I like to call analysis paralysis, where you just get stuck in making sure all the data is just perfect and you actually get off the dime and make a freaking phone call. It's funny. So I so I have a plaque that I had made, it sits outside of my office. I have to walk past it every day. Um, and on that, it says done is better than perfect. And that's literally speaking, that is my reminder. And anybody on my team would tell you, um, and I've got people on my team that uh, that know that I need to be pulled away from that. Uh, we have uh, Maria is one of the best, right? So pull back, like if you're going too deep. I, my support staff, our transaction coordinator, our admin, often tell me in those meetings, like you're overthinking it. Back away. Let's get it done. So I, I basically have told people, this is how I am. Pull me away from the process when I need to be. 
Yeah, that's smart. What you just said, I want to touch on that because what you just said is so smart and so many agents need to embrace this. And it's funny because as, as we're talking here, your team is online. You know, they're all watching on Facebook and they're like, done is better than perfect. They all typed it in before you even said it. Uh, and so they knew what you were about to say because they know you well. Here's what I love about what you just said. What you said is I have someone who gets after me and says, hey, it's time to move on from this task. The thing that I think team leaders in general, not, you know, real estate agents in general, but team leaders, especially, I think that thing that one of the things that they struggle with is not only delegation, but empowerment. And when I say empowerment, you need to empower your team members, not only to do what they need to do for their business and for the business as a whole, but you need to empower them to control you. You need to empower them to say, you know, to, to get in your face, to say, hey, man, it's time to move on to the next thing. We need to get moving. It's And, and to hold you accountable. And I think that the uh, leadership, uh, the people in leadership that learn to allow those around them to hold them accountable at a higher level, they have greater success. I'll give you an example. When I was selling real estate, when I was out listing houses, I had an assistant named Stephanie. And Stephanie was hardcore, man. She was as bad as Tara. And when it comes to, you know, like I'd come home, I'd have five listings and she'd be like, what do you mean five? Didn't you have six appointments? What, one of them not show up? Like, what happened here? Why didn't you get all six? What's your deal? Like, you know what I mean? Like she was just in my face every time I didn't get perfection from the day before. And I got to tell you, I appreciate that so much. And that had as much to do with my success as anything, because I knew she was counting on me. I knew that when I came back the next day, she was going to have something to say about what I did or didn't accomplish the day before. So I want to know more specifically, and I, and I know we're talking about the CRM and all that, but I want to I want to just transition for a second to who else do you have in place holding you accountable and what methods are they using to do that? That's, you know, that's a great question. I, I can't swear that I've got a real process for that. Uh, so the team culture that we've built um, is very open and very transparent, like truly. And I, so I would say I would like to think that everybody on my team knows that we can all have the flexibility and the openness to be able to do that for each other. And I realize that they see me and, and Maria kind of as um, the leaders, the bosses, as you were. And so maybe it's a little uncomfortable um, to be able to have that conversation. Um, but without question, Maria and I have that relationship. Um, I'm very close to one of our newest agents. I've known her for a long, long time. And again, our support staff, um, Rebecca and Thais, our admin, our transaction coordinator, we work extremely closely together. And so they've been given, it's taken a bit of understanding, but they've been given strict understand, under, under instructions that this is a safe place. Like when we're at work and we're trying to get something done or we're moving in a positive direction, there is no hurt feelings, right? It's it's all about the movement of the team. And so be free. Let me know. I'll let you know. And let's just keep moving towards the vision. Okay, I'm going to pull your team since they're on the call right now. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Team members, on a scale of 1 to 10, how approachable is Scott in that way? Uh, 10 being he's incredibly approachable. 1 being, oh, my gosh, don't go near that guy. He's a terrorizer. <laughs> All right. So as you're typing that into the comments, I, I can't wait to see what numbers we come back with. Uh, but as as they're typing that in, what I would what I would encourage you to do one one thing that I th oh look at this Rebecca come on Rebecca's like he's a thirteen uh, he's so approachable. All right, somebody give me a one. I mean, come on, I'm just kidding. All right, but here's the deal. What I what I what I would encourage you to do is I know you and I I, I know this isn't 
how you meant it, but I want to encourage, and really it's encouraging your team members. I want to encourage your team members to see you differently. I want to encourage the team members not to see you as the boss. And, and I'll tell you why. Because they don't work for you. It's the other way around. And I know you know that. Uh, and all great leaders do, right? But I really, I really want to drive that point home because there's so many team members out there that think they work for someone. But the reality is uh, your job is to support them. Your job is to provide them with the tools, technology, systems, talent, you know, the, the help, the support, the leads, the everything they need to succeed and to remove roadblocks. That means you work for them, man, right? Wouldn't you agree? No question about it. No question. And can I comment a little further on that? Please. Yeah. As far as that, that it's so to me, it's, I mean, it's all about mindset. Everything's about mindset, right? We were having a discussion internally just the other day about the mindset of an employee versus an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? And it, it's, it's interesting to me that, and I can go into as much detail here as you want. We've been thinking about this a long time, but when somebody is an employee, you're paying them X number of dollars to make X number of calls. You've got hundreds of ISAs in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They make a significant number of calls. But we've seen that when somebody from that department moves to being an entrepreneur, they're no longer being paid for a task, but their pay is now effectively limitless. Yeah. Production drops significantly. That is correct. Why is that, Michael? Why is it that when you're paying somebody to do a job by hourly rate, they feel like they have to do a certain task well, but when they're doing it for themselves, that falls apart. Okay. So before I answer that, I'm going to answer that, but I want to take it a step further and I want you to think about this and, and it's going to be the same question at the end. Why is it that someone will be, you know, they, they're a real estate agent. They're given all this opportunity. They have all this opportunity to go, you know, sell as many homes as they want, make as much money as they want. All they got to do is be disciplined. The more disciplined they are, the more money they make, right? The more they use the systems, tools, technologies, and the more they get in there and make those phone calls every single day. Uh, then guess what? The more money they make. And yet so many, and just in the last six months, so many have gotten out of this business and what happened to them? Well, they went and had to get a real job. And when they go to that real job, someone's paying them by the hour or by the month and they're buying their time. And what now has to happen is instead of having all the freedom that they have as an entrepreneur, now they have accountability. Now they have to do exactly what that person tells them to do eight hours a day, or they lose their job. Now imagine, so here's the answer to your question. Imagine if I were treating my job as a real estate agent with as much respect and discipline as I had to treat the job that someone's paying me hourly or monthly to do. Imagine what would happen. Imagine how much money I could make if I did that. I'm thinking I'm talking to everybody on this call. I'm talking to Scott's team members. I'm talking to every other real estate agent and loan officer, anybody self-employed out there. I'm telling you, if you treated your career like you were working for somebody else and getting paid by the hour or by the month and were required to produce, or you would lose that opportunity, imagine how much better you could be doing. So that's the answer to the question, Scott. The difference is accountability. It 100% comes back to accountability. Uh, And so why do people get into real estate? What's the number one reason why people get into real estate? Time, freedom of time. That's right. They want freedom, right? And what's the number one killer of real estate agents? Freedom of time. Freedom. (laughs) That's exactly right. That is literally correct. And so really what we have to do is we have to self-impose boundaries, right? If we can self-impose the right boundaries, the, the, the amount of success we can have in this business is, like you said, limitless. It really is. Uh, 
Uh, and so, oh, and I like the way Rebecca just said this. Rebecca Stone Hawkins, I'm assuming is on your team. Is that correct? Yes. Rebecca says, I am, I'm work, I am working for someone else. I'm working for future me. I'm working for my husband. I like that. That's wonderful, Rebecca. Great way to look at it. Uh, and not only that, you're working for your kids, you know, your future kids, should you end up having kids, you know, whatever posterity comes behind you, you're working for them too. And what I mean by that is the harder you work now, the more time you'll have for them later. Um, you know, the more the more disciplined you are at work, the more focused on them you can be after work. Uh, you know, the more the more driven you are during the week, the more fun you can have on the weekend. Uh, but you can't really have one without the other because if you're not focused at work and you're not driven at work, what happens? You know, you end up broke. And when you're broke, you're stressed out and you don't want to be around your family all stressed out all the time. All right, Scott, I want to come back to technology. So you've got the CRM in place uh, and you've got action plans and you've got, you know, all that stuff going on. You've also, you're using a product that my daughter uh, runs uh, and her husband Sawyer uh, called Black Hat. Uh, and so tell us a little bit about Black Hat and what that does for you and how that, so that works with your follow-up boss. Am I right? It does. Okay. Yeah. So, and I don't know, I am not the expert on this. You know, the team uh, that Madison has put together, Madison and Sawyer, has been so amazingly helpful that it's been almost plug and play for me, right? Which is amazing. It's a little bit, un it feels a little bit odd that I don't have control over building that, but they've done a phenomenal job. Yeah. And so basically, Black Hat allows their system, Lofty uh, mm -hmm. Chime, to Pull data out of follow-up boss. So when I say data, let me let me rephrase that. So when we get a new lead that goes into follow-up boss and all leads automatically flow into follow-up boss, mm -hmm. um, which is what everybody's CRM should do, mm -hmm. Lofty Black Hat then sees that information, um, pulls it into uh, their control center. And honestly, at that point, it's voodoo magic to me. Like, I don't know exactly what happens, you know, inside the walls of, of that uh, organization. But then from time to time, several times a week, we get a call from the department of, you know, over there that says, hey, we've got a live transfer for you. Um, Michael Hellickson's on the phone and he'd like to talk to you about buying a two and a half million dollar beach house in Hilton Head. Um, but again, I don't, I don't fully understand what happens between those two pieces. Well, let me share this with you because I've, I've got a little bit of understanding of it. Uh, but uh, but essentially what they're doing is they have the technology is text messaging the consumer, right? And engaging them with artificial intelligence uh, via text message that is then engaging that person, getting them to raise their hand. At the same time, the ISAs are cold calling through that list. And when someone raises their hand, the ISAs are going in and they're calling that person and saying, or, you know, jumping into the conversation and saying, hey, why don't I get Scott or one of his guys on the phone with you? And then they do the warm transfer. And so here's the, 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 the obvious really great news is that it gets you a lot of hand raisers you otherwise wouldn't have got, right? So it's really right. cool uh, because all of a sudden you just get the surprise. Oh my gosh, I want to buy two, you know, this guy on the phone wants to buy a two and a half million dollar beach house in Hilton Head, right? Awesome. Okay. What we need to be careful of, though, the caution that I would give people is don't rely 100% on that technology. It is a great augmentation. But as I've told people before, and I would love for somebody to type this into the chat, if you would, uh, into the comments and Facebook here, if you would. Automation equals augmentation. It should not be a replacement for you guys. Just automation equals augmentation. There's no substitute for a well-skilled, well-trained real estate agent that cares to get on the phone with a customer, right? There's like, that's, 
nothing's better than that. You got to get those agents on the phone with them. And that's why, by the way, we went to a warm transfer system instead of just setting appointments. Now, if nobody answers on the team, then yeah, they'll set an appointment. But ideally, it's best if we can get that warm transfer happening. Why? Because with the warm transfer, they get on the phone with the person that can help them the best, the fastest, and in the way that is going to have the biggest impact. So anyway, that being said, what other technologies are you using, Scott, that are having a so, big impact for you? The tech stack is uh, followed by I mean, the two big pieces that we utilize is, is Follow Boss and Ylopo. Uh, Ylopo is, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, for those of you that aren't out there, it's a massive marketing organization that does um, a ton of work from as far as lead gen and to some degree, some form of lead conversion um, to help us out as well. And they're deeply integrated with Follow Boss. And so it's provided a ton of benefit for us. So let me ask you, has there been a change for you? I know there's a lot of conversation about, oh, Follow Up Boss just got bought out by, uh, who just bought them out? Uh, Zillow just bought them out. Uh, and so, and okay, first of all, why do you think that happened? Let's start with that. Why do you think Zillow buys Follow Up Boss? Well, I mean, Zillow is looking to become, I mean, everything in the, every, every corporation is looking to monopolize their industry, right? Um, Zillow is the big gorilla, so they're looking to monopolize that 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 contact chain, that lead chain. Why wouldn't they have a contact database system? Okay. So first of all, yes. What about this? What about the argument that, you know, so many people have heard Zillow say over and over and over again, oh, we're not looking to be a real estate brokerage. Do, do you believe that? Or do you think no, that they, they already are? I believe in multiple states. I mean, I, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, they're already a real estate brokerage. Oh, but Scott, we're just doing that because we need to be able to have the MLS access. Do you, do you believe that? Or do you believe that, no, these guys are going to be a real estate brokerage? No, they're they're trying to become a player. There's no doubt. I mean, we all know that they lost what hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars over the last year and a half um, in their iBuyer experiment. And so they're 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 playing with the waters and trying to figure out where they can make the most profit. And and moving into our world is clearly where they're headed. So I want to hear in the comments. What do you guys think? Yes, Zillow wants to be a brokerage and compete with real estate agents out there, maybe even have those real estate agents working for them, or no, they're just going to continue to provide leads. That's all they want to do. Yes or no? Are they going to be a brokerage or not? Uh, type it into your chat. I'd love to see what you guys think, especially you guys on uh, Scott's team and anybody for that matter. Okay. So for the sake of argument, uh, let's let's back up and let's say, okay, they if they're going to be a brokerage, they got to have a CRM, right? And so they chose Follow Boss. Here's the next big question that's on a lot of people's minds. Is the data at risk in Follow Boss? Is there any concern that Zillow is going to use that data to try and, and access those clients some way because now they own Follow Boss also? Yeah, that's 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 the big issue. And, and that's the one where you almost want to be an ostrich and just put your head in the sand and not think about it, right? Because it's like you said, you know, so some of my team that were with me know this. When we were at Houston at Business Strategy Mastermind just uh, a short time ago, um, Sierra Interactive was there as a as a trusted vendor, and we spent a lot of time talking to them. Um, honestly, as a replacement, as a potential replacement for Ylopo. Ylopo is fantastic. I love them. We're getting great returns on them. But they're expensive. And, yes, and so, you're not wrong. Ylopo is very spendy. Yeah, they are very spendy. Great tech, though. Yeah, they really do. And so, you know, in our discussions with Sierra, we got to talking about, you know, how whether or not they can kind of manipulate the same sort of information from a lead gen and, and to some degree conversion perspective. And Sierra's next conversation point was, you should then also bring on our CRM, right? And honestly, I'll tell you, this is not what this conversation is about. But when it comes to the tech conversation, that's where I shut it down. 
because that's too big of a conversation. I was willing to talk about changing lead gen, but I'm not willing to talk about CRM. So that leads me back to your question. Even though Zillow Group purchased Follow-Up Boss, there's nothing I can do about it. I, I liken it to Mark Zuckerberg, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if they want my data, they're going to get it, whether I give them access to it or not, mm-hmm. right? And they're going to get yours, and they're going to get you know the Robert Slack teams in Florida. I mean, mm-hmm. if they want that data, chances are they've got more of it than they can do with anyway. And so... There was a lot of conversations when Zillow Group bought Follow-Up Boss, like, I'm out. I'm dropping Follow-Up Boss. I'm going X. And I thought to myself, I'm just not. There's just too much happening there. I don't. It's not that big of a deal to little old me. You know, I, I think that's probably pretty good counsel. I, I don't know that I'd be too concerned about it either. I mean, think about it. It wouldn't take much. I mean, for word to get out that Zillow was, was stealing that data, that would be that'd be pretty devastating to Zillow. I think so. I don't. I don't think there's too much risk of that. Now, that being said, might they use some of the information gathered there for their own nefarious purposes? You know, to gather you know trends in throughout the industry, that sort of thing. Sure, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they did that. But I don't see them competing directly with you, like going and trying to steal your clients out of there or something like that. I don't think that's any, there's any chance of that happening. Um, so that being said, all right, let's keep moving forward. This is good stuff, by the way. Um, so I want to talk more about tech. What other tech is in your business right now besides Ylopo, besides Black Hat, besides Follow Up Boss? What what else are you using for tech in your business today? So, I mean, a lot of other, just other peripheral pieces that we have tied together, um, you know, it, it's as simple as, as can be, but and we don't need to spend a ton of time talking about it, but Google Drive is a huge part of what we do just to keep everything kind of manipulated together. It's easy to share with Google Calendar, right? Google plays well together. Um, very similar to Apple products, right? They just work. Whoa, I, whoa, whoa. We're going we're gonna to roll Accolade. right past that. Blasphemy. Freaking <laughs> Apple products. Right? So... Um, Mojo as a dialer, right? Big fan. Um, Red X Vortex uh, to pull uh, neighborhood search information. Um, these are all different pieces that we've got so that we can make sure that we're moving forward, like I said, as a as a successful real estate business and trying to make pieces fit. So, you know, you were talking about Mojo, by the way, shameless plug. Uh, one of our partners is actually the underlying uh, platform upon which Mojo sits. It's a white label of uh, Prospect Boss, believe it or not. Uh, and so the actual tech is Prospect Boss. Now, I don't know if you can get it cheaper by going directly to Prospect Boss or not, but uh, for those that are interested, go to clubwealth.com forward slash Prospect Boss, and uh, maybe you guys can uh, get a little less there. Here's the next question I have for you. Uh, as a team leader, and we'll talk systems in a second. So we've done tech and we'll get into systems, but I want to know as a team leader, have you done the math on, I mean, it's expensive to run a team. I mean, it's not for everybody. And, I, you know, it's, I, I talk to people all the time about, you know, you either need to be on a team or you need to be building a team. But, you know, I see team members all over the country and in Canada, you know, that are making upwards of $250,000, you know, even $500,000 a year and more. And they don't have to be the team leader. They don't have to have all the downside risk and lose money occasionally. And when I say occasionally, sometimes, you know, there's a lot of money in some months. They, they wouldn't be surprising to me if a lot of team leaders in November, December of this year probably lost money. Um, and so the, the question, though, that I have for you is, what's it cost roughly per team member in your market? What are you, what are you spending per month uh, to support each team member? 
So I have that number exactly in my head. Um, and by the way, we did not talk about this ahead of time. I just sprung this I'm glad that you have that number. I'm, I was kind of worried. I'm like, I hope I'm not putting him on the spot too nope, much. No, we're good. So, but but I want to preface my, my response by saying that, um, so I've been with Club Wealth as a coaching client for going on two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first coach, we just changed coaches recently, uh, was a woman by the name of Chelsea Dillick, and she is yeah. fantastic. She's wonderful. So yeah. I doubt that she's watching, but Chelsea, if you are, yeah. um, good to see you. So that said, you know, when we started talking about the kind of this conversation, she cautioned me as to how to put together the number of every team member. For instance, um, Club Wealth. Would you would you give up Club Wealth if you didn't have a team? The answer to that is no. And so can I effectively put that cost of running a team? Can I aggregate that over? Right. So things like that. So with that said, the asterisk on that conversation, it's about $1,400 per month per team member. Yeah. And that's super low comparatively. Like that's literally one-tenth of what I hear across the country. I have a feeling you're not factoring everything in. I have that may be. There's some global costs that you're not breaking down into a, a per team member budget uh, because 1400 bucks a month, that would be super cheap. But here's the, re- the real expense isn't just in the stuff that you pay for for them, right? Whether it's leads or technology or the office or the lights, the computers, the, you know, whatever. There's this, there, you know, the staff, uh, you know, you start adding all that up and you really divide it out on a per team member basis. Most people I'm seeing are between nine and $14,000 a month. Um, now where, but where it really gets expensive is your time. And that's, that's the part, like you're just barely coming out of that period of time in a career. So tier one, you know, it's usually people are solo agent. They're just trying to figure it out. And, you know, how do I pay my bills this month? Right? Like that's kind of the big goal of a tier one, you get into tier two and somebody like you, that's going to build the team. You start saying, okay, well now I'm going to build a team. So I got to do my own production. I got to bring business in, but then I also got to go out and I got to recruit. And and as soon as I recruit somebody, I got to onboard them. And then when I onboard them, I got to train them. And then I got to provide them with systems, tools, technology, support, all this other stuff. And oh, by the way, this all takes money and time. And so by taking my time, what that means is my personal production is going down. And as my personal production goes down, what's happening to me? My income is going down. So in tier two, most people take home less money than they took home in tier one. Uh, and so it, it was, and they begin to question, well, am I even doing the right thing? Do I even really want to build a team, right? And, and that's a legitimate question in tier two, especially. Well, you're just now emerging into tier three. And as you emerge into tier three, you start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You start to realize, okay, wait a minute. Finally, I've got a couple of team members over here that are doing good, that are hanging in there. And if, you know, they're starting to be productive. And if I can just really help them be more successful and bring some more like them on board, hey, I can make a pretty decent business out of this. And yeah, that means I'm going to do a little bit less production myself, but... It, it means that long-term, I, you know, if I can get into tier four where I'm doing 150 to 250 deals a year, now I can make a nice living uh, and I'm not working 24-7, 365. I'm still having to work, you know, like a normal person, but it's not horrible. Are you experiencing that? Does that, does that feel kind of like what you've been going through? It, it definitely does. In fact, a very personal <laughs> recent issue. Um, and, and of course, I mean, you that's satirical from you because you know exactly that that is what we're feeling. Um you know, and, and you know, we were lucky enough. Again, kudos to Club Wealth and and Chelsea. I listen. Let me take a moment and tell you. I'm sure you're here this enough, but Club Wealth has absolutely changed my business. Right? Like, 
I'll keep this brief. So when Marie and I were started to build a team, we didn't really know what we were doing. We were with a very small brokerage. We left that brokerage. We lost our CRM. We lost 8,000 contacts in our database. It was terrible. So changing a brokerage and losing a CRM at the same time. Um, and that was around the time we figured, okay, it's got to be. We need help. And so Club Wealth and so Chelsea. So the two of them together but provided us with the ability to grow into a new brokerage, to grow into you know the growth of our CRM and, and to build our team. Michael, it wasn't, but 14 months ago, we left that brokerage to our new brokerage with one team member. I'm sitting on a total of 15 people now, 11 of them being agents, right? Like, I'm super proud of that. You one of the things that That's well incredible growth. I, thank you. Yeah. One of the reasons we're able to do that, though, is Club Wealth helped me to understand that Marie and I were working together as a singular agent, right? And Club Wealth, Chelsea, said, that's got to stop. As you grow a team, right, and there, you can't continue to do that. And that maybe saved my marriage as well. And Maria's laughing if she's on. I'm sure she is. So what we decided was is, is Maria goes to production, right? And then I go to operations. I still do production, but she's the lion's share of what we do. So in operations, it has helped me to grow the team, to recruit and train and mentor. Now, to your point, though, about being pulled, um, Friday and Saturday, so just a couple of days ago, I had two agents come to me in a coordinated effort and say to me, look, we're leaving you. Um, we love you. We're leaving you because we believe that we can get better mentorship as a solo agent at a virtual brokerage. That pained me, Michael, because you're putting in all this time and all this effort, morning huddles and preparing for Tuesday sales meetings and doing one-on-ones. And two agents come to me in a conjoined effort and say, you're not doing enough. That honestly, and that was just a couple of days ago. And so it still hurts yeah. a little bit, right? Um, I'm sure I'll experience more of this in my life, but um, that one was that one was painful. Okay. So I, first of all, thank you for all the kind words about Club Wealth and about Coach Chelsea. Um, and I got I to gotta share this with you. First of all, you're going to have that happen again and again and again and again. And really the reason why it happens is the pride cycle, because what happens is, you know, when people are struggling, they're humble. And as, and when they're humble, they're, they're, they're coachable and they learn and they absorb and they're, and they're all about, you know, how can I be better? How can I do more? How can I be better? How can I improve my, my, my business, my lot in life? How, you know, just they're, they're really focused internally on, on improving. Then they start getting good and, and they start having success. And as, and by the way, when we're in that humble part of the cycle, right. When we're, when, when we're really coachable and, and, and humble, people are attracted to us. And so we we attract not only people in our regular lives, but we also attract consumers to do business with us because of that humility. And so then as, as that all happens and we start to see some success, guess what happens next? It's the nature of most men. As they start to see some success, they get a little prideful. And as we get prideful, we become less humble. And as we become less humble and get more prideful, we start to repel people instead of attracting people. And so in, in both, both consciously and unconsciously. And so what happens is this is where people get into that mindset of, well, I'm going to go somewhere else and there's something better somewhere else. Look, when you go somewhere else, you're taking you with you. I got news for you, cupcake. You're going there. So your problems are going with you. Because 99.99% of our problems are us, right? Like we are the problem. And so it doesn't matter where you go. You're just taking that problem with you. So I, I share this because, Scott, it's not going to be the last time it happens. 
I will also share with you, and I don't mean this in a vindictive way, and I don't mean this in a, I hope this happens kind of a way or anything like that. But the reality is more often than not, when we see team members leave a team and they want to go be solo agents, their production goes down dramatically more than 50%. Um, and it's tough and it's, and it becomes harder for them. The, the truth of the matter is the vast majority lack the humility to come back to the team. That being said, those that do have the humility to come back to the team end up oftentimes being incredible team members and sometimes the best you'll ever have. Uh, so be aware of that. Um, but kudos to you for the, the growth. Uh, so I want to, I'm going to ask you about that growth in a second here, but before I do, I want to talk to you about Maria for just a second. Uh, I feel like breaking into a song from the sound of music, you know, anyway, so uh, one of my favorite songs from the sound of music, by the way. Um, but here's what I want to know. You, and I think probably a little bit jokingly, but there might've been a little bit of truth to it. And, and I think for a lot of us, there is said something about, you know, club wealth may have actually saved my marriage. And the reason I bring this up is not that I think you had a bad marriage or anything like that. I don't believe that's the case. But there are some things that we talk about inside Club Wealth that really can make a difference for a marriage. What for you did you find made the biggest difference in your relationship with Maria as you went through this process of building a business the right way? That's a deep question. So I, I would have to think, one, I would have to think that her and I would answer that very differently. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested in both I, answers. Fair enough. So from my perspective, the answer to that is just learning how to, learning how effectively to grow a business together. I mean, it is not, it's not easy to work with a spouse. I think everybody knows that. It's not easy to work with a family member. You do it with all four. Um, <laughs> Five now. Right. Yeah. So, and so it takes, it takes two special people or it takes a special group of people to be able to do that. Yeah. And I'm going to take that one step further and say that it's even more difficult to run a business together. And I've never built another business. And so only real estate is, is in my purview. Um, but holy crap, is it stressful to build a team and to go from tier one to tier two and to tier three and to do that with your significant other spending 24 hours a day. The club wealth, I mean, the mantra, right? I mean, for anybody that's on here that doesn't know the mantra, no success uh, at home. Sorry. Help me out, Michael. No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and that's, it, we come back to that, right? And so it's it, it's kind of that attitude that teaches us, that teaches me um, that it has to be about more. And, and I know my son, who is a new real estate agent with us, um, my wife, who obviously is, is our top producer, are probably chuckling because they know that I am 24-7 real estate. And, and I have to, it, it's hard for me to shut it down. Sure. Entertain home, et cetera. There's so, nothing wrong with that. I don't have a problem. By the way, a lot of people would criticize you for that, Scott. I disagree with them. I, I take the Alex Hormozzi approach. I truly believe that, you know, if if we're, if, if you're self-employed, your career is a major component of your life. Why wouldn't you talk about that with your family? Of course you want to talk about that with your family, especially if they're involved in the family business. That's my attitude. Yeah. Okay. So, so let me ask you this. Let's come back to logistics for a second here. Because what I caught in what you said, and I hope others caught this as well, 
is the importance of segmenting the workload and and really segmenting your roles. You and Maria have very different roles now. Previous, you were kind of both kind of trying to do everything together and serve everybody together and be, you know, blah, blah. What you've done now is you've separated those roles, correct me if I'm wrong, and you each operate in your own lane. How has that impacted your relationship? It's a hundred percent better. Uh, there's no question. I mean, yeah. as we back, look at, I mean, I still remember it very clearly when we were both being real estate agents. Um, there's a lot we do to manage a transaction. Everybody knows this, but trying to do it with somebody that you're also trying to live a life with. And you were supposed to do that. And you were supposed to do that. And that's your responsibility. And by the way, you didn't do the laundry. And so, right. I mean, and, all, and so it all explodes. Yeah. We actually, so we actually were tasked by our coach um, to write job descriptions for our roles um, and we're tasked and still to this day have, it's just the two of us that run the team, but have executive meetings to specifically set time aside as business partners to talk about the business moving forward, to not do it over the dinner table, to, to meet as if you and I, Michael, owned a business together, the way that you and I would spend an hour talking about the growth of the business, right? Absolutely. Brilliant. Brilliant. You know, I just, I just think that there's not enough discussion about this in real estate. And that's why so many, there's the real estate industry has one of the highest divorce rates of, of any industry. It's not the highest, but it's up there. It's, it's very high. And I think a lot of the reason why is because, you know, people try and live by the, you know, you know, well, we're in this together. So we're both going to do everything and it's our business together and blah, blah. And look, that's fine, but we have different roles. You've got to segment those roles. Uh, and then I think, again, the other big problem people have is they won't talk about it at home. They feel like it's taboo to talk business at the dinner table. Hogwash. I, I couldn't disagree more. Uh, you know, my wife and I, Tara and I, and I love my wife. Uh, one of the greatest lessons I learned was to stay out of her lane and let her do her thing. And it's not my job to criticize how she does her job or vice versa. And we both are very good at what we do. We're both very passionate about it. We care about the business. We care about the team members. We care about the clients. Uh, and we both go about that slightly different ways. But we know that at the end of the day that we're both doing what's best for the clients, the team, and the business, right? And so, you know, as we learned to do that, it just, it improved our relationship as well. And, and same thing again with that talking to dinner table. Anyway, I don't want to belabor the point. I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, now, I'll ask you very quickly, is that would Maria describe this any differently? If I were to ask Maria this question, do you feel like she'd no feel- question. No question. In fact, I think you just touched on a part that she would probably be more than happy to be vocal about and something that you probably just taught me again that she has been teaching me forever. So Maria is an amazing producer. She's really, really good at what she does. Yeah. As the operations manager and as analytical, I often cross into her lane, right? I know that I do and it's not welcomed. I don't use my signal. I'm just, I'm just running over, right? Um, and it's, it, it, it doesn't end well. So, okay, Scott. So on behalf of Maria, Maria, you can thank me later. Uh, on behalf of Maria, I'm going to challenge you that uh, I I would like you to make the commitment that you are going to stay out of her lane uh, in the coming 60 days. To the, In fact, between now and Mastermind in Paradise, which by the way, you need to be at, uh, it's a whole nother thing. Now that you're in tier three, you qualify. Congratulations. Very exciting. And uh, so you need to come to Maui with us, but between now and Mastermind in Paradise, I want you to stay out of her lane to the degree that not once does she ever have to bring up, hey, you're uh, you're in my lane there. Could you step out of it? Uh, would you make that commitment? I'd be, I'm trying to figure out how to quantify that, but- Oh, uh, I know absolutely. how to quantify it. 
if she has to tell you to get out of her lane, then guess what? You've violated the lane. So I want to know that for the next, what is it, 60 days or something like that between now and Master, or, or uh, just, yeah, not, a little bit more maybe. Now, between now and Master Running Paradise, I just want to know that you're going to stay out of her lane to the extent that she doesn't ever have to ask you to move. Deal. Deal. All right. Good stuff. So the cost of non-completion we'll talk about later, but essentially, uh, you know, there's going to be something big. There's going to be something big. Uh, I think Maria should get to choose what the consequence is. We'll talk to her (laughs) about that. All right. That being said, let's talk about other things. Um, Systems. What do you want to talk to us about with systems? What systems do you have in your business that you think are especially important? So from an agent perspective or from a team perspective? Because those are kind of- Either one. Both. Whether it's a solo agent or a team, tell, tell us about systems. Well, I tell you that from from a from a team perspective, one of the biggest things that I learned recently-ish. Um, so I came to Seattle, the Pacific Northwest Mastermind, um, great time. Um, and what I took from that was that team leaders who are building successful teams are segmenting their teams into effectively tiers, right? Um, and so I brought that back, um, and I think that you know there's team members on here that might say we're still struggling with that a little bit, um, but the A, B, and C team structure—that's what we call it. Um, but that's been that as far as a system is concerned, um, basically allowing the team members, and this is what the benefit that I see for them. And I hope they see it as well, but allowing them to see that here's the qualification for these rewards. It's not random pick and choose. It's not round robin leads. It's not favoritism in any way, shape or form. There's a clearly defined process, a clearly defined system that says, if you do this, you will receive this. If you're not willing to do that, that's fine, but you'll receive this other, right? Yep. That's huge. I love that. because, And I, th- I think you're right because, you know, there's a place for everybody. If somebody wants to be more of a flexible, maybe a casual agent, so to speak, right? There's still a place for them on your team. They don't have to want to be the Navy SEAL of real estate. Uh, but at the same time, you're not going to spend as much money on that particular agent. You're not going to give them as many leads. And 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 that's okay because they're not showing up to the office every day and re- making the calls every day and all that stuff. They're a little bit more casual about it. Whereas you got a Navy SEAL on your team, right? You got that person that, man, I'm just going to crush it every day. I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to be game on. Well, you got to provide them with more. You got to give them more and better leads. You got to give them more opportunity for growth. You got to give them more that they can kind of sink their teeth into. And when you do that person just thrives, right? And then you've got your ones that are even beyond that. And so I love that you've divided it up that way. And we're seeing that across the country. We're seeing, and in Canada, uh, we're seeing agents that are dividing up their teams that way. They have happier team members. Uh, They have team members that as a group, produce better. And I, and I, what I mean by that is even the ones that are on the C team end up producing better because they're not being pressured constantly to be something they don't want to be. Uh, and so, and it, by the way, your Navy SEAL team members, well, they're producing better too, because guess what? They're getting more attention. They're getting more leads. They're getting more everything. And they're they're not feeling like they're constrained by the people that are on the C team that don't want to be quite as focused and as disciplined. And so everybody wins. Everybody gets to kind of be in their lane and they get the kind of attention and love that they need based on the lane that they want to be in. So I love that you're doing it. By the way, I'm getting a lot of likes and loves. I got one little cry or one little teary eye there. I'm sorry about the teary eye, guys. I don't know what I don't know what I just said that made you sad, but man, you're making me sad. So anyway, that being that's not true. You're not making me sad at all. Uh, I'll be fine. So uh, what I want to do, Scott, uh, as we get near the end here, we've only got a couple minutes left. Um, first of all, I've got two things I want to ask you about, but I want to see if is there anything that you want to share with us that we haven't talked about yet. 
Nothing that we've not already talked about. Um, okay. I, you know, I, I, I will say, and this is going to, again, it's so, I really not meant, we didn't set any of this up, right? In fact, I was anxious coming into this call because you're, you're kind of a dominant speaker. Um, I, I look, thank you for having these large events, Michael. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we really appreciate, you know, I take people to these events that have never been or to have been to another large event, right? Um, some of your competitors or even like a brokerage large event, these national brokerage events, um, and they tend to be big, huge parties and they're a lot of fun. Every time somebody goes to a Club Wealth event, they come back with an amazing amount of value, right? And, and, and again, it sounds like a shameless plug, but even for my team, we put contests in place to get them there. Um, and I want everybody to hear, um, please, please, please make an effort uh, to go to these things. I mean, as a coach, we want to see you there, um, but th they're life-changing. For, for the next month or two, it fades, it fades, it but does. for the next month or two, um, it really does change your business. Well, and that's what it takes because you got to you got to relight the fire. You got to fill that bucket up, right? Like you got to do this on a regular basis. And so, and you're right there. It 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 lasts for a period of time, and then you got to go to another one to kind of get that you know that jazz again. You know, get that get jazzed up again. Um, and so, I appreciate that a lot. And um, and so, that being said, let's let's. I want to ask you about two things that I think are on everybody's mind right now in the real estate industry. Uh, the, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the second first, and then I'll give you the, the big one. Uh, the second one is the lawsuits. There's lawsuits out there right now where they're coming after the real estate industry like crazy. Uh, it's almost like the ambulance chasers. You got all these attorneys out there that are trying to sue agents and say, and, and brokerages saying that, uh, you know, there's been racketeering and this big conspiracy to charge consumers more than they should and blah, 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 which just cracks me up because anyway, don't get me started. What I'm, what I'm curious about though, from your standpoint, what kind of impact is this going to have on the the typical agent out there? What's it going to, what kind of impact is it going to have on teams and brokerages? What what are your thoughts? Where does this go? Should we be worried? Are we all going out of business? What's the scoop? No, I don't think we're all going out of business. Um, you know, I mean, will it impact the typical agent? Uh, absolutely, I think it will. Um, but only because the typical agent doesn't necessarily have. And this sounds it doesn't. I don't mean it to be mean. But the typical agent doesn't have the foundational knowledge to understand how to turn this into an opportunity. Um, how this actually is not, you know, the end of an era, so to speak. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Um, and again, like the Zillow group discussion we had, I figure those things are so far above me. Like we handle what we can handle. Control the controllables, right? I love that you just said that. Yes. So. So who cares is when it comes down to it. Now that said, yeah. prepare. Um, and so on our team, you know, it's, there we go. So it's, it's an opportunity. For instance, um, we do the right thing even when no one is looking, right? So that was one of the big issues is, is transparency. Fair enough. That's not a problem with us. Yeah. Um, and hopefully all agents understand that. Um, salesmen and agents should not be looked down upon. We're advisors and guides, and it's it's a shame that that people look at salespeople as negative people. It bothers me to no end. But at the same time, you know, if you're strictly a buyer's agent out there, um, use this as an opportunity. I mean, how amazing is it that if our commission is no longer being controlled by the co-op of the listing agent, we can now affect our own commission, right? Like nobody's telling me now what I could make when I sell a house as a buyer's agent. I can, I can negotiate and provide my own value. I just got a pay raise, 
I love it. Well, and to your point, when you talk about value, you know, I've always said price is only an issue in the absence of value, right? And so people will pay, you know, people talk about the travel agents and, oh, real estate agents are going to be like travel agents. They're going to go away, blah, blah. First of all, travel agents didn't go away. In fact, the ones that remain are making way more than they made back when there was a gajillion travel agents out there. The difference is that it whittled that industry down to the best of the best of the best of the best. And I think you're going to see the same thing in real estate. Uh, And to your point, it's going to force everyone to be more transparent. It's going to be more professional, just like with attorneys. I mean, when have you ever engaged with an attorney without a retainer letter? You're going to, you're going to, or a retainer agreement. You're going to sign a retainer before the attorney is going to do anything for you. Well, guess what? Real estate's headed that same direction. And it's a great thing. I, I think it's fantastic. So, okay. Last question for you. And by the way, let me back up the control, the controllables piece. You had me at hello. I love it. Man. I freaking love that. All right. So, Let's come back to uh, interest rates. I want to ask you about interest rates, and I know you don't control interest rates, but what do you think is going to happen? What's what's your what? If you had a crystal ball, where, where are interest rates going to go? What's going to happen with the market in the next twelve months? So we just spent that this morning talking about the ten-year Treasury and how the ten-year Treasury affects interest rates and how it is declining. Um, what does that mean? Does that mean rates go down or up? Rates hopefully are headed. Head, well, rates are on their fifth week, fifth straight week of going down. Right. And so ideally, we're going to see a six week on that. Um, you know, the I believe and this is coming from people who are smarter than me, that rates will continue to go down. And with the hope, the belief, the crystal ball discussion is that we're going to be somewhere in the fives by the spring buying season. Wow, man. I'll tell you right now, we get into the what do you what do you think happens if we get into the fives by the spring buying season? What do you think is going to happen? 2021, 2022 all over again. Um, yeah. I mean, because we know. We know that the largest demographic of, demographic of buying age people is headed towards us, right? We've got seven more years of that. The average age of a buyer being 34 years old now, and there's a huge number of people that are moving into that age range. Currently, there's a pent-up demand. We all know people like this because they can't afford a house right now. Housing is elevated, right? Um, interest rates are elevated. And so there's tens of millions of people that are waiting to buy a house. At the same time, we've got this lock-in scenario where sellers aren't willing to sell their house because I've got my house at 3.2% interest rate. I'm not selling and going to seven and a half. Bring interest rates down to a comfortable level. All those sellers decide to list. All those buyers come out. Prices of houses are going to shoot up and we're going to be crazy again. We're going to be writing 10, 12, 15 offers on a listing. I, I, you know, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think you, you may be onto something here. You know, you talk about the prices shooting up, you know, you start talking 2020 or, you know, 21, 22 again, you could be very right about that. Uh, now, by the way, you just, based on your comments, I got to ask you about this. There's potential legislation now. I just heard about this morning coming out, uh, that would preclude, uh, hedge funds. It's, it's seeking to preclude hedge funds from buying single family properties. What do you think of that? Do you think that that'll pass? Do you think it's good or bad? What, what are your thoughts? Well, obviously that's, uh, we're talking very opinionated here. I don't think that that passes because the people that pass those kind of things are the same people that run those hedge funds. So I seriously <laughs> doubt that that passes. Whether or not it provides a ban on those organizations buying properties, I had read that uh, at the very least, they're gonna have to give up 10% of their portfolio annually so you buy 100 houses, they have to sell 10 back into the market. I'd be fine with that, right? At least they're giving something back. Um, but it, it's a good thing. across the, If that happens, if it can pass, um, that puts the hands back into main, it puts the housing market back into the control of Main Street, yeah. right? It lets capitalism take over, not the corporations. 
you know, it's interesting to me. First of all, I agree. It's it's interesting. Well, I, I, I let me back up. I agree and I disagree because the corporations get to benefit from capitalism too. However, you know, you look at you know, I'm, I'm a traditional pretty conservative guy, uh, and yet I look at Germany, which is you know traditionally a very liberal country, and they have a law uh, in place that precludes corporations from buying single-family residences as well, so, and for the same reasons, right? Because you've got to protect that middle class. You've got to protect the American dream. you got to allow people to get into that entry-level home, build some equity so they can eventually take advantage of that equity, go buy their next home, go buy investment properties, whatever. Uh, and when it's done through Wall Street, well, the... We all know it's not the little investor that makes the money; it's the big boys, and uh, and so I, I think it's very interesting legislation to, to say the least. And I'm interested to see where it goes. That being said, we're out of time, Scott. I want to thank you. So first of all, tell us what markets you cover, so that and then I want to know if someone wants to get a hold of you, they want to send you a referral, want to do business with you, uh, just want to pick your brain. How would they get a hold of you? So um, LowCountryLoveGroup.com is the website. Um, you can reach me at scott at lowcountrylovegroup.com. My phone number is 843-414-2999. You're welcome to use any of those tools. Um, happy to take a referral from anywhere in the country um, and receive your client referrals as well. Uh, our market, I mean, we're licensed in the state of South Carolina. Effectively, we're most knowledgeable about coastal South Carolina. So everywhere from Savannah, Georgia, up to Charleston, basically, um, and everywhere in between. So if you're looking to come to Hilton Head, um, Beaufort, South Carolina. Um, hoorah, if you're a Marine, um, we'd love to help you out. I love it. Fantastic. Well, really appreciate your time today. Very insightful. Uh, super appreciate it. I appreciate everybody that's on. And, and I was looking to see if there was any questions before we wrap up. Do I have any questions from anybody on Facebook right now for Scott? This is your last chance to ask him anything you want. And if you're on his team, ask the most embarrassing thing you possibly can. It's totally fine. Uh, but uh, whatever you've got, uh, just type it in the chat right now. What questions do you have for Scott? We're going to give it a second because there's a little bit of a delay between our conversation and Facebook. Uh, and so I'm waiting for those comments to get typed in. But Scott, I got to tell you, it's fun doing these shows. We'll break this up into a bunch of little, uh, you know, reels and that sort of thing. And, you know, speaking of, of social media, oh, hold on. The, oh, Benjamin Cook, he came up with, he's one of my team members and he came up with something that may or may not be embarrassing for you. He's, he's calling it the shower revelation notepad. Benjamin, let me help you out with that. It's called success in the shower, baby. All right. So Scott, I understand. Stan, you've got the Club Wealth Success in the Shower Notepad. The question is, have you been using it? So I don't know what Benjamin is referring to, but I, I posted on the Club Wealth Mastermind page that my daughter did, my 13-year-old daughter. Um, so Hold on, did you just say your 13-year-old daughter is having success in the shower? I mean... Awkward. Okay. <laughs> right? I'm not so sure exactly how to respond to that. Um, but the takeaway from that was that... so. Her name is Amelia, and we took her to Business Strategy Mastermind, and we came back with the Success in the Shower notepad. For those of you that don't know what that is, you can take notes in the shower, waterproof uh, notepad and pencil. Um, she had used my shower one day, and I went in the next day, and she had written positive messages um, uh, for me uh, and mom on that. And from a 13-year-old, right, where you're not really sure what direction is going to go, coming back from Business Strategy Mastermind to take that sort of messaging from it, it was, it was, uh, it was heartfelt. That is fantastic. I love hearing that one. It's funny because uh, Celine, is Celine on your team as well? She is. 
Celine says, my nine-year-old daughter uses it to write short stories in the shower. That's awesome. I love that. That is fantastic. And, and to your point, I love it when, you know, it just inspires, even, you know, a kid or a spouse to, to write, you know, nice notes to their spouse or loved ones. And, uh, you know, I tell you, some of the best ideas come to me in the shower. And it's nice to have that waterproof notepad that I can just go jot that down. And uh, I got to tell you, it's really been powerful for us. So hopefully you guys get it's a great idea. What's that? It's a great idea. Yeah, I love it. I think it's fantastic. All right. That being said, Scott, we got to run. Have an awesome day. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. And Scott Love, thank you so much, Coach. Appreciate all the value that you bring to everybody in Club Wealth and on your team and just everywhere you go, man. You're just surrounded by value. Uh, and thank you, thank you, thank you, Maria, for sharing him with us. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. Thanks, Michael. You bet. Oh, Rebecca, if you need one of those uh, those success in the showers, just go to uh, – uh, go to uh, clubwealthhelp.com, clubwealthhelp.com. That'll put you in our a Zoom meeting with a bunch of my team members. will be sitting in there uh, waiting for you to jump on and they'd be happy to, to hook you up with one of those notepads. They'll tell you all about it. So, all right, thanks a lot. Take care, everybody. 87%. Yeah, that's the percentage of all real estate agents that get in the business today that'll be gone in two years. Let me tell you something. Why is there so much turnover in real estate? Because it isn't easy. And because most people don't know exactly what they need to do to get to the next level. Now look, regardless of what you're brand new to the industry or you or you're a team leader you've got 40 people on your team and you just want to get to the next level if you're doing 10 transactions a year you want to get to 25 you're doing 500 transactions a year you want to get to a thousand you're at a thousand you want to get to ten thousand let me tell you something you need the right coach why because club wealth is the only coaching company on the planet that will literally guarantee that you will double your income or make at least an extra hundred thousand dollars your first year coaching with us or we will give you a hundred percent of your investment back this is for people of all levels Click the link below, sign up for the appropriate tier level, and let's get you a strategy session today. And I promise you, I 100% guarantee you, promise you, that you will walk away with a heart full of gratitude for the time that we took for you because you got so much value out of that call. Schedule your strategy session today. I promise you'll be glad you did. Sign up for a strategy session at clubwealth.com slash strategy session.